0: We continue with the responsive reading as found in the bulletins before you. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall lie the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, trust. Surely He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. And from the He shall cover you with His feathers. And under his wings you shall find refuge. True, shall be your of Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, never shall be, forevermore. Amen. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our text for our meditation here this morning is recorded in Psalm 91. And here again, the same verses, although in the ESV translation. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us to your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. You may be seated. In 1973, William Peter Blatty's best-selling novel, finally debuted as a feature film. Americans lined up in lines for hours just to see it. But many of those who saw it had visceral reactions. Some fainted in terror. Others fled the theater in fright. The film was none other than The Exorcist. The film struck such a chord because it challenged modern myths about there being no supernatural. It confronted our increasingly materialistic culture with the existence of real evil in the world. But more importantly, Bliley wanted to remind us that ultimately God will triumph over evil. This is the subject matter of our text for today. He who dwells in the shadow of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. In the sacred scriptures, there are a number of examples of demonic attack. Such incidents are quite prevalent during the life of Christ. In fact, Christ not only casted seven demons out of Mary Magdalene, he drove an entire legion out of another. But as scary as demonic possession is, it's not the primary way that the devil chooses to attack. For the devil is a cunning adversary. He knows that the most effective attacks are the ones we don't even realize are separating us from God. The psalmist clues us into this when he speaks about the snare of the fowler, and the the deadly pestilences. That is, the devil's bird snares and his plagues. Now, some of these snares are more obvious than others, albeit they still entice us nevertheless. The large catechism reminds us that the youth are most often snared by the sins of the flesh, sloth, carnal pleasures, Insolence immediately comes to mind, whereas the so-called mature are most often snared by the sins of the world, money, reputation, and power. The pestilence, as mentioned in our text, can be either literal or metaphorical, for the devil used the literal pestilence of COVID-19 to bring out the very worst in all of us remember remember how we selfishly used delivery workers at times to shield ourselves from the disease? How we turned on one another when one of us coughed in a room, or how we used COVID-19 often as an excuse to prolongly neglect our connection with the means of grace as well as to neglect those who need us most. But the devil's attacks are even subtler than these. Jesus' own temptation shows just how the devil tries to twist our faith in God's word and in his angel's protection. For too often he's got us convinced that we can dally with unrepentance. After all, the angels are going to catch us before we fall, won't they? Too often, he's even got us convinced that we can wield God's word against the devil without ever really having internalized it, thought about it, or taken it to heart. You see, once we start treating God's word and his holy angels as nothing more than talismans or magic genies, he's already got a hold of us before he's even ushered us out the church door. Now, Psalm 91 Appears to have had a liturgical function in ancient Israel. For it seems to be a litany for creating faith in God's protection. Not only that, it is meant to empower us rightly to wield God's word against the devil, flanked by God and a whole host of his holy angels. For the first speaker calls faith forth from the second speaker on the basis of this promise. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. The second speaker then responds in faith. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. The first speaker then lists a whole host of reasons why we have every confidence to trust in the devil-crushing work of our Lord Jesus Christ. For three times, the devil, at our Lord's own temptation, tried to snare him. Three times, Christ responded back to him with his word. For a starving Christ would not trade God's word for the devil's bread. Our Lord would not tempt God by jumping off the pinnacle of the temple just to see if the angels would catch him. He wouldn't even bow down before the devil just to avoid the brutality of the crucifixion. Not only that, but our Lord went on to beat the devil at his own game. For just when the devil thought that he had our Lord beat, the Son of Righteousness rose with healing in his wings and turned the tables on him for when he thought he had the seed of the woman snared upon the cross christ broke the snare of death and crushed the head of the old fowler this is why christ this is how christ delivered you from the snare of the fowler and the deadly pestilence this is why there is salvation and protection under his healing wings clearly we have every reason to trust in God's protection. The myriad of metaphors that the psalmist uses shows just how secure that protection really is. He is our shield and our shelter. He is our refuge and our fortress. He's a mother bird. He's a shield and he's a rampart. Or a bulwark even his ancient names el and shaddai translated here as the most high and the almighty show that his protection is on a league of its own now this doesn't mean that we this doesn't mean that we won't that this doesn't mean that he won't send crosses In our lives, in order to refine our faith, it doesn't mean that we can jump out of His protecting hand through persistent unrepentance. Rather, it means that he who dwells and abides with God will never be separated from His hand. It means that he who dwells and abides with God will never endure anything that isn't for his or her ultimate, eternal, and spiritual good. But how do we dwell and abide with God? We dwell and abide with him through daily repentance and faith. For when we confess our sins daily and receive holy absolution, sin has no place to linger in our hearts and to choke off our faith. We also dwell and abide with him when we make the promises of this protection litany our very own. Psalm 119 provides us threefold strategy to do exactly that. First, it tells us that we pray for God to reveal to us the deep meaning of a given portion of scripture. Then it calls us to meditate upon it so that it permeates our entire heart and our mind. And finally, as we put that scripture into practice in our lives, that scripture transforms us through the crosses we encounter for our good on the road of life. When we are so clothed with the full armor of God, which is Jesus Christ himself, we are ready for spiritual battle, flanked by God and a whole host of his holy angels. In 2010, M. Night Shyamalan made a movie where the devil torments a group of people in an elevator. Just when you think the devil had won, the main protagonist confesses his sins and is ultimately forgiven. The film, rather, insightfully concludes with a calm woman saying, if the devil is real, You know that God is real too. You see, the materialistic world of the Big Bang has no real means for accounting for good and evil. At best, it can really only speak about order and disorder. You see, good and evil are ultimately religious categories. When someone says something is good and evil, like it or not, They are pointing to the real existence of the invisible, undergirding our visible reality. Fortunately for us, that ultimate good is none other than the triune God. He is the one who stands against all that goes bump in the night. And more importantly, he is the one that stands for you and for me. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. This is why we can confidently pray, deliver us from evil. Amen. Congregation may rise. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in faith through Jesus Christ. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all. Amen.